Good morning. Greetings to each one. God's blessings and peace be on you all, especially on you mothers. Thank you, Mom, for being my mom. I'm very privileged to have you as my mom. And yeah, just want to take this time to thank you for all you've done for me. You can turn to First uh, Peter with me. First Peter one. Um, I was just going to do. I was thinking of doing a book study, except that I won't get through a whole book. So it may be be more like a chapter study. Um, but we are looking through this first chapter of Peter a lot recently, so we're memorizing it, and there are a lot of things in here, a lot of very good things. So I'm just going to read and um, comment as, as I read through this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus has begotten us again. He has begotten us once and Begotten, he has begat us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He has great mercy on us to bring us and to give us this lively hope because of Jesus Christ raising from the dead. And he gave us, or he, he has begotten us again to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you our inheritance is uncorruptible and undefiled there's many things in this earth that are corrupt actually the earth is corrupt it says that the earth will melt with fervent heat and everything will be dissolved actually in second uh, peter it says Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? But thank God that we have a everlasting and incorruptible and undefiled inheritance that we have as Christians in Christ. And it's reserved in heaven for us. Who are kept, we, who are kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. God keeps us by his power through our faith because we have faith in him. Side side of the, um, my Bible here says divine keeper. There's many places in the scripture where it talks about um, Jesus being our keeper or God being our keeper. It says in Jude, now to him, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He is very well able to keep us from falling. 
And here we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I was thinking originally that um, ready to be revealed in the last time is talking about us who are kept by the power of God. But I'm, I was just reading through it again, and I was thinking maybe actually it was salvation that will be revealed in the last time, uh, the end of our salvation, in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Amen. We should rejoice in, um, in our God because of our inheritance and because he's able to keep us through his power. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who keeps us. Now for a season, now for a time, even though we do rejoice because of our inheritance and because of our salvation, even though if even now sometimes we are in heaviness or in um, sadness, only for a season, it says, though now for a season, for a time, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. It is just for a time. This will pass too. And uh, if not here on this earth, if it doesn't pass on this earth, these temptations, um, we do have an everlasting hope and inheritance that when we die and our spirit returns to God, we will... um, be relieved of those temptations. This, uh, temptations here, manifold temptations, um, I think it's talking about the trying of our faith, as it says in the next verse, uh, the trying or the proving of ourselves that God allows to come our way. It does say in James, I believe, that um, God does not tempt any man um, neither is he tempted of evil. Um, I think this is talking a little bit about different temptations, about proving of our faith. That the trial of your faith, the proving of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Gold is fairly precious to us. But here it says that it will perish. Everything will melt with fervent heat. It's not everlasting. It's not, uncorrupt, it's not uncorrupted. And it's not undefiled. The gold and the things of this earth will pass away. But the trying of our faith, the proving that comes our way, is much more precious than anything on this earth. might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom, having not seen, ye love. And I believe that's um, why we rejoice, because we love him. If we love him, we will, we will rejoice. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We don't see him, and as Ken is saying uh, last 
Sunday that if we would see him, it wouldn't be faith. We would still be believing. Um, but we don't see Jesus. We don't see God. But we still believe him. And we believe that he is alive. And um, we believe that he has an um, everlasting inheritance for us. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. That should bring us joy. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. In the Old Testament, there are prophets that prophesied and they searched diligently about uh, the New Testament and what should come to pass and the glory. Uh, where does it say that? In verse 11, the end of verse 11, and the glory that should follow. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things I think it was revealed to them that they weren't speaking about themselves or to themselves. They weren't prophesying about that. They're prophesying to us. Prophesying about the things that should come unto us, which are now reported unto you. They are told unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. I'm not sure if they don't know about it yet, but they definitely desire to look into it, apparently. Wherefore, because of these things, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We need to gird up the loins of our mind, of our spirit, and be sober, or to, um, to think... Um, I looked up the word sober. Soberness. Um, the one uh, definition I think was to um, well to be. Um, I forget what the word is, but the one the one word that I had seen was. Um, Dis, not dis, disemphatic, or like not just not over emphatic about everything, but to be um, chaste and yeah, to be sober. Can't remember all the definition anymore, but that we should back here in actually further in verse chapter four, verse seven it says, "But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer." There also says sober, soberness. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Which grace the, the um, prophets have inquired and searched diligently. And they prophesied of that grace that should come unto us. 
as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. We aren't to be um, making ourselves like we were before we knew Christ or before we accepted him in our lives. Don't fashion yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. If we are going to be obedient children, we need to um, study and be concerned that we are holy. If you think of Christ... Um, and how he is. He is holy and just. And it's just like nothing's wrong. He is perfect. We need to be as he is, for he is holy. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. So if you take out the um, the middle part in between the commas, and if you call on the Father, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. We are to gird up the loins of our mind, to be sober, not fashion ourselves according to our former lusts, be holy, and in that way, pass the time of our sojourning here in fear. We are just sojourners in this land. We aren't here to stay. Praise God for that. And he has directions here for us to, of how we're supposed to um, live our lives and to pass the time of our sojourning. How we are to use the talents that he gave us and um, make are calling sure. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. It talks again about gold. You must think that we really know a lot about gold. <laughs> we weren't redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Remember, he is holy, as it says in verse 16. We are redeemed with his holy and precious blood. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. It says again that he was manifested in these last times, even though it was ordained before the before the world Um, it wasn't manifest in the Old Testament because the uh, prophets inquired and searched about those things who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, 
unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. I always like that verse. Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth. Purifying is part of being holy. Uh, I thought there was another place in here that said about being pure. Um, But yeah, just in verse 16 it says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We have purified our souls. It's our choice to allow Jesus to purify us. In obeying the truth, through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. It looks like the reason that we obey the truth we purify our souls is to have unfeigned love of the brethren, unadulterated, un, uh, uncorrupted love of the brethren. But then it says, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. It's also something that we do. See that you love one another. <clears throat> something that we need to see to to do. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, not of the gold that perishes, not of the gold and silver uh, that we received from vain conversations by our Father, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. It's everlasting. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. It says again that all flesh is as grass. The grass comes, and the nice flower comes up, and it's pretty for a little season, but soon it will vanish away. It says a lot of times, I was just looking up uh, a lot of the scriptures where it talks about um, flesh being as grass and our lives being as vapors and just the frailty of humanity. And it's amazing uh, just to ponder that and then ponder um, the everlasting and enduring word of God why do we put any stock in ourselves or in the glory of man? Because that perishes with him. But we can put our hope and trust in the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, and endureth forever. Not just that it will outlive us, but it also, through all the ages and through everyone's lives, it has stood, and it has stood the test of time. It doesn't fall down and doesn't um, decay or become um, become non-pertinent to our situations in our day. And this is the word of which by the gospel is preached unto you. In verse 12, um, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you. We have heard the gospel. And that is the word of the Lord, which endureth forever. It 
It says, Jesus says in Matthew 6, to lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves don't break through and steal. Because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. To lay up treasures in heaven where things don't fade away. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Because of these things, because we have purified our souls, because we need to be holy as he is holy, we need to lay aside things. You lay aside all malice. You think of maliciousness. It's just like desire to do evil and um, to do wrong. Laying aside all malice and all guile. Children, do you remember this, um, the last children's lesson? I think it was just last Sunday that Levon had about um, hypocrites or actually deceiving people. Remember he had a, some air in a balloon that made his voice kind of interesting. This says we need to lay aside all guile, which is um, deception. We need to be truthful all the time. And hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I think we need, as well as the meat of God's word, we also need to just meditate on the simple and the easy to, un- easy to be understood things of the word. And just let it soak into our hearts that we can grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And normally, to a lot of people, I think milk tastes good. And the Lord tastes good to us. The milk of the word will taste good to us if we have been born again. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. I was going to say something else about um, the beginning of the chapter, laying aside all malice. We need to lay aside those things and desire the sincere milk of the word. There's no reason really to lay aside anything if we don't go toward another thing, or if we don't desire another, another thing. Lay aside and desire and work toward. Verse 4, To whom coming as unto a living stone, this allowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Verse 7, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. Is he precious to you this morning? But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Those that are disobedient and don't want to honor him as Lord, the stone which builders disallowed, he has still become the head of the corner, even if some are disobedient and don't believe in him. But to them that be disobedient, he is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. 
if you find yourself stumbling at the word of God or not liking what it says or changing it to what you want it to say, there are some pretty um, um, detrimental things that the Bible has to say about those who add or take away from the word of God. But if we stumble at the word, beware, because we might, we, will, we are being disobedient if we stumble at the word. We need to let it soak into our hearts, as it says in verse 2. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Sorry, I skipped a couple of verses in there. Ye also, verse 5, as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Is it talking about us as a body of Christ? Or is it talking about us as individuals? I think it's talking about multiple people, anyways. It says also as lively stones, not as a, as a lively stone, but as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So it looks like um, we must be building together with others in order to offer up spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. It says in, let's see, three verses, it says precious three times. Or four verses, maybe. In verse 4, and in verse 6, and in verse 7. Is he precious to us this morning? Verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I, be I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We need to abstain from those things which draw our lusts and our desires after them. We are strangers and pilgrims here, not fashioning ourselves according to our f the former lusts. They war against our soul. They war against our spirit that God has bought again, who has begotten us again. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against, against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. They can speak, they, it says, whereas they speak evil, or they speak against you as evildoers, 
they may speak evil against us as though we're doing bad things. But if we are doing good, uh, later on in the chapter, it says this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endured grief, suffering wrongfully. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Remember, we are supposed to lay aside all malice, all maliciousness, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. In that verse, there is four um, sentences, I guess you could call them, or statements. That's very, um, not very common in the Bible, it seems. It seems like most of the time it has a um, thought or a theme that just goes through the whole verse. But this is just statements. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Four things that we need to do. Love the brotherhood. Remember in verse 22, it says, We purified our souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. And we are built up as lively stones together. So if we are to be building a building together with the brothers and sisters of Christ, why not love them? (laughs) That would be a miserable place if you would be in the same building and not love your brothers or not love those you're built with. Fear God. Honor the king. If we fear God, we will love the brotherhood and we will honor all men. We will honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endured grief, suffering wrongfully. The theme in this book, I just read through the whole chapter, um, I think it was maybe a week or two ago. And a lot of times in here, is talking about suffering, and I think that's kind of a theme through the whole book of First Peter as we memorize the rest of it. You can look for um, the times that we that it calls us to suffer, as it says in verse four, chapter four: "Fourth match, then, as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin." You might like to hear more exposition on that verse. But Christ has suffered for us more than we will probably ever suffer. And we need to arm ourselves with the same mind that we as Christians 
even we don't look for just the easy way or to be comforted. Christ is our comforter. And in this world, we shall have tribulation. But we can embrace suffering because Christ has suffered for us. And we, he has called us to suffer also. There's one verse in Ephesians. Um, I think it was in Ephesians, maybe another place. It says, if ye suffer with him, ye shall also reign with him. So if we want to reign with Christ, we need to suffer with him. It says in 3.18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. That was one verse that I'd read over, and I was looking at it. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Remember, back here in chapter 2, it says, But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. And Christ has done that. He suffered for us, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Who can we bring to God by suffering wrongfully? Suffering, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Can we bring people to God by suffering, by suffering wrongfully? But we need to be put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit in order to um, suffer as Christ suffered. But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. So God bless you with that. Hopefully that was an encouragement and an inspiration.